Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Turned around here, I don't know what to do. There we go. A reminder to those who will be coming to the fellowship this evening. Do you know what you need to do? Hmm? Ah. To review what we passed out two weeks ago in regard to the Nashville statement and the response. Yes? Okay. Yeah. All right. Jimmy, thanks for the songs. There's Jimmy and Jimmy. Jimmy's eating his breakfast back there with majority. That's okay. You're here. That's good. That's fine. Sometimes we are on a tight schedule. I understand that. We've been talking about the family of God, last two lessons, uh, what the family is like, and then how you become a part of that family. And I, I really think that's the, the closest representation of who we are in Scripture, because Jesus actually became one of us, became a human being, and so forth. But the Scriptures present other ways to look at God's people, and the one we're looking at this morning is the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, shepherding... Uh, is an integral part of God's narrative from the very beginning. Uh, Abraham was a shepherd, and his descendants Israel, they became shepherds. And if you remember when they went into Egypt, and uh, that Joseph said uh, to his brothers, he said, when, when favor asks you, you know, what you are, say shepherds, but, you know, kind of like, because e the Egyptians don't like shepherds. They think they're kind of a low life. And they had them live then in their own land, in the land of Goshen. Uh, so I don't know if that's a, a take on God's people forever, you know, that we're just considered by the world. You know, you might see that the world as different and we don't want to associate with you, but that's a possibility, something for you to think about. Uh, Jacob told Pharaoh he'd been a shepherd all his life. Ezekiel 34 uh, the Lord denounced the shepherds of Israel, those who were supposed to be guiding and leading his people. You know, he termed them as shepherds. They're supposed to be doing good things for the people, give them the food, the, the drink, to keep them safe. But he said, you are not doing that. He denounced them severely, and he says, I'm going to shepherd my own people since you can't do it. And I think that led eventually to the coming of Christ Jesus to be the true and the chief shepherd, as Peter terms him. And, of course, there were numerous prophecies in the Old Testament about this great shepherd, the servant of God who was to come. As you can see from your little handout, we're only going to be in two places this morning, so that should cause you to just relax and just put your bookmark in one and your thumb in the other, and you'll be good. In John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And you can read, I encourage you again, as always, to get into the word of God, read chapter 10, study chapter 10, let it soak in and understand all the things he's talking there about himself. We're not going to do that whole chapter this morning. But we want to look at this unique shepherd-sheep relationship 
a little bit, first of all, what makes Jesus the good shepherd. And then we're going to look at Psalm 23. And everybody loves Psalm 23, right? If you, you memorized it probably when you were in Bible school, and in some places way back, if you're as old as, as some of us, they actually had you memorize it in school, believe it or not. So, you know, it's a favorite of most people, and if you might ask someone, you know, t quote me something from the Bible, this might be the thing they say, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Everybody knows that. So we're going to look at that in maybe in a little bit different light than you're used to looking at it. So the goodness of the good shepherd. John 10, let's start with verse 7 here. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The door of the sheep is one of two, uh, two ways uh, Jesus talks about shepherding in this passage. And uh, some of you are aware of this, and we'll explain it for those of you who are not. Uh, as we said, the, uh, the Israelites were shepherds. They had the sheep, they had goats that was part of the sacrificial system. So they raised thousands upon thousands of sheep and goats, okay? They had to have them besides the fact that they ate the meat and used the wool and all that. So uh, on the in the countrysides there, they had these little walled-in enclosures made out of stone, basically. And all the shepherds used them. It didn't belong to anybody in particular. But when they took their flocks out to pasture them, and then they would bring them in at night, they wouldn't go back into the city because it was too far to go. So they had these enclosures built out on the, on the hillsides and in the pastures. And they would bring their sheep into these enclosures. And in the enclosure, there was a, just an opening. There wasn't a door there. Okay, and what would happen, the shepherd himself would sit down and actually sleep in that opening at night. And so he became the door of the sheep. That the sheep could not get out of that enclosure unless it went past him or nothing could get in through that opening unless it went through the shepherd. So that's what he's talking about, I'm the door of the sheep. And he says here, you know, if anyone enters through me, you actually come in to my flock, you'll be saved, and you will find pasture. In other words, I will take care of you. Verse 10, he contrasts himself with those who came before, the thieves, the robbers. Who, in other words, they just wanted to use the sheep. They just wanted to use the people. Uh, if you read through the Gospels, he severely denounces the religious leaders of the day for doing that kind of thing. They were just taking a position for themselves. They didn't really care about the people at all. They were basically running a business. And so they just, they didn't care about the sheep. They're thieves and robbers. But he says, I came they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Certainly there's a reference here to life eternal. I think that would be true, but I think he's also talking about the life that we live day to day. You know, he's not withholding his blessings from us as we live from day to day, is he? He says, I want you to have abundant life. I want you to have a good life. He's not saying there's not going to be any problems or troubles or distress, but I want you to have an abundant life. That's one reason I came, so that you might have it. But we have to understand we only have that abundant life in Jesus if he's our shepherd, okay? That he's the one that will give us that life, protect us from a lot of the evils, and then help us get through a lot of the difficult times, as we'll see in Psalm 23. I should have rung a bell with you in one of the passages in Psalm 23. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And of course, any good shepherd would do that out on the hillside. If there were wolves or bears or lions or predators of any kind, even robbers, the shepherd would stand up. The shepherd would fight. He would give his life to protect his flock because he loved the sheep. He knows the sheep. Uh, I saw a documentary once. It's been several years, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, about a shepherd, I forget where it was, maybe Scotland, maybe Ireland. And even today, this shepherd had names for every one of his sheep and his flock. He had names. He knew them by sight. He said, well, that, you know, that's, that's Lily. Or, or that's, uh, that's Joe, or whatever he called them. He knew them. He knew their characteristics. He knew the ones that, you know, usually caused problems. The ones that wandered off. And the, and the ones that, you know, they, they, they never did anything bad. They were always there. They were always close to him. He knew them all, and he knew them by name. And he could call them by name. And we read in other places, you know, that, well, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. It was true. That, that was how close these shepherds were to their flocks. And this is what Jesus is saying about his people. And he's saying here in verse 11, that I love you so much, I'll give my life for you. And in fact, he did that, didn't he? He did that to save us from sin, to save us from destruction, and to give us life eternal. I remember uh, one of the fellows I used to work with when I was down years ago down at the mine. He was into the uh, spot sheets for football and all that. And whenever the football season rolled around, he always brought those in. You know, you want to give five bucks or two bucks or whatever. Pick your winners. and Everybody was always talking, well, I think this team's going to win, that team's going to win. There, you know, uh, nobody says that today, right? Nobody talks about that today, right, Larry? Rick? You know, and nothing's changed. But anyway, then he would all get all, all upset and say, talk's cheap. You know, put your money where your mouth is. You know, he was like, and of course, that's really true, isn't it? Talk's very cheap. 
You can say whatever you want. But it's meaningless unless you do something, right, to back up what you say. Really true. So Jesus followed through. He says, I give my life. And he did, didn't he? So does that make you want to trust him? To listen to his voice? To believe what he says? He followed through. Verse 27, 28, I'll read 27 again. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus provides a clear voice for us to follow. And that voice begins with this book right here called the Bible, the Holy Scriptures. That's a clear voice. And I'm just, you know, yeah, I'm a minister of the gospel, but part of my job is to encourage you to read and study the word yourself. Because if you're not reading and studying the word of God, are you really listening to the voice of Jesus? You answer that question. Because that's where he's speaking. He still speaks today. The words are still true. The words are still valid. They still apply to us. They are still the truth of God. The Holy Spirit, whom he sent, who is given to every believer, those who are immersed into Christ, helps us understand that. Uh, we read about that in Hebrews 2, I believe, the word of God, which is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, etc., and it leaves us open to him, to him, all right, who knows us. So we don't have any excuses, if you will, for not listening to the shepherd. I love the idea here about the protection. He says, I give eternal life to them, first of all. And it is a gift. Yes, we have a response. Yes, we have a responsibility. Yes, there's faith and so forth. But it's a gift. It's an offer from God. And if he never made the offer through Christ, we'd never have it. Would we? As we read, you know, there's none righteous, no, not one. All of sin falls short of the glory of God and so forth. Paul writes extensively about the fact that you cannot be saved through the law because the law brings separation and destruction. So he came to give us life eternal through his own life. He says they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I love that no one. You know, no one can overpower the shepherd to snatch you out of his care. No man, no woman, no president, no political party, no army, whoever it might be, they can't do that. Now you can let them, you can turn away and walk away 
But as long as you are serving the Lord and have faith and persevering in him, letting him shepherd you, no, they cannot snatch you away. That's his power, and that's his love for you. We need to believe these things about our shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Let's go to Psalm 23 now. And as you have already seen, some of you, they fit together, obviously. It's all one flowing narrative, one beautiful picture. Let's read the psalm. And as we read the psalm, ask yourself the question, is the good shepherd my shepherd? Is Jesus my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet water. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just words of comfort, aren't they? It just brings you peace. The Lord is my shepherd. David makes that affirmation. David was a shepherd. He understood all of this. Is the Lord your shepherd? Every day. Every moment. Every decision. When you get up in the morning, is it Jesus... Where will you lead me today? What would you have me do? If Jesus is really your shepherd, and this is, I got to thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this for me. If Jesus is really my shepherd, and I am listening to his voice, then all of the blessings in this psalm should be mine, right? Yes? Exactly. So that's what we want to look at. He provides everything we need, material, emotional, spiritual blessing. I shall not want. Do you want for anything? Are you discontent with your life? 
Is there greed around the edges? Are you inside an emotional nightmare? You struggling terribly with sin and temptation? I know these things come and go in lives, but if the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want for anything. Verse 2. You know, here's a picture. Lie down in green pastures. Leave me beside quiet waters. Peace, contentment, rest, fullness, satisfaction. Do these characterize you? Is that where you are? The quiet waters. Or is your life just a total mess? If the Lord's your shepherd... Right? I'm trusting him. I'm not trusting me. Yeah, things happen, but the Lord's my shepherd. He's going to take care of it. He's going to beat off the robbers and the wolves. It's going to be fine. So many of us have a hard time learning that and trusting the shepherd. If Jesus is leading you, this is where you will be, beside the quiet waters. He restores my soul. Jesus is in the healing business. He binds up and he restores. He provides forgiveness, hope, peace, and comfort. How many of the sheep still struggle with sins of the past? They haven't gotten rid of them. They haven't reconciled with others that they need to reconcile with. They're still beating themselves up over things they did. The old, I won't forgive myself. Why is that? If Jesus is your shepherd, he restores your soul. He brings you back to peace, forgiveness, what you need to have. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Is that where you walk? I know, sometimes we get off that path. But he'll use that rod and that staff to get us back. But are you, in fact, walking a path that is not righteous in some way? Filled with lies, maybe? Filled with yourself? Addicted to something? You know, this is what you have idols in your heart. This is what you really prefer to the, the Lord. Are you really walk, letting him guide you in the paths of righteousness? To do good. To seek good. 
in the psalm, there's a change here. I never really noticed that until I was studying it this time. Because in verses 1 through 3, he speaks of him, of God the shepherd, as a, a third person. He says, he, he, he. But then, starting in verse 4, he begins to talk directly to the shepherd. He says, you, you, you. And maybe just upon his reflection about his own life, David kind of has to talk to God and not just about God. And that's a good thing. Again, it's like a prayer. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Do you live in fear? Of anything? Fear of dying, fearing being attacked, fear of losing everything, fear for the future, fear of the judgment, fear of losing your job. She says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? You're with me. Yeah, I'm not saying we don't have some anxiety from time to time. We're human beings, but... If our life, your life is characterized by fear of something, and that's a driving force with you, you're not trusting the shepherd. The rod and the staff comfort me. Don't have a rod and staff with me this morning, but tools of the shepherd. Correct the sheep, guide the sheep. Pull them out of the ditch, keep them from falling over the edge. Used for many different things. Some of us balk when the shepherd uses his staff and his rod on us to try to get us back on the path because we're so stubborn and bullheaded. Right? We think we're good. We, we got no problem. I'm just sailing along. And the shepherd says, you keep on that path, you're going over the edge. And he tries to bring us back with that staff and that rod. Correction through his word, through other people saying things to us, things that will happen in our life, try to get us to change. But notice what David says. They comfort me. I don't kick at them. They comfort me. Why? Because it tells me you love me. And you don't want me to die. Right? What's it say in Proverbs about the parent who withholds the rod? says they hate their child, doesn't it? says they hate their child when you don't correct them. Same thing would hold true for the shepherd. You don't try to 
rescue them from going over the edge or getting lost out there and running into the pack of wolves. You don't love your sheep. You don't love them. Once again, talk's cheap, right? You got to do. You got to do. So the rod and staff comfort me. Tells me you love me. You're, you're keeping me in the right place. Even through the valley of the shadow of death. You're there. You prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemy. This is just a, a verse of blessing. Anointing my head with oil. It shows I'm chosen. You're taking care of you know, my needs. In those days they did that for the, uh, the need of the body. My cup overflows. We sing that in the one song. Is that the way you see your life? David said that. My cup overflows. Is your cup overflowing right now? Do you see your life that way? And the main reason your cup overflows is because you have Jesus as your shepherd. And you know he's going to take care of and is taking care of everything. So your cup overflows. It doesn't mean every last little thing in your life is perfect and you have everything that you want. You've got the shepherd. And that's all you need. And your cup overflows. When I was reading this, I thought about Paul in prison. He never used these words. I know he had these thoughts. My cup overflows. I got the Lord Jesus. He's watching out for me. If he wants me here in prison, he says, I know how to be abased and how to abound, how to be full and how to be in want. Doesn't matter. I learned that. I have God. I have Jesus Christ. My cup overflows. We have to learn to focus on the shepherd and not on things and situations. This is why David's cup overflows. Surely, and here's the future, future like no other, goodness and loving kindness, some translation have mercy, will follow me all the days of my life. You see, that fits in with our thoughts on abundantly, not just in the future, but all the days of my life. That doesn't mean everything will be perfect as we read scripture. There will be tests. There will be temptation. But the shepherd is watching over me. And even if I go through the valley of the shadow of death, he is there. Don't be afraid. And then the blessed, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Because that is where the shepherd is leading me. To his house. His home in the sky. 
new heavens and new earth, however you picture it, life eternal. That's where he wants you to get. That's where he wants you to end up. Dwelling in the house of the Lord. If Jesus is your shepherd, all of these things should be yours. Can be yours. Gave me pause to consider my own life. Do I... uh, Am I not satisfied? Am I looking at the wrong things? My cup overflows. Jesus is shepherding me. Is that the case with you this morning? Is Jesus your shepherd? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Are you listening to his voice? Every morning, every afternoon, every evening, walking in the paths of righteousness, letting him lead you and guide you and receiving his blessing. If that's not the case, that can be the case before you leave today. As we've been blessed, as Mike announced, with three new sisters who were immersed into Christ Jesus, received the gift of the Spirit, forgiveness of sins, and began their walk with the new shepherd, their new shepherd, Jesus. We can assist you with that this morning. If you are a Christian and you've not been listening to the voice of the shepherd and you're not seeing in your life that your cup overflows, you need to rethink. Rethink the psalm. Rethink your life. Rethink what you're looking at and what what you love and what you want. And to refocus on Jesus the shepherd and realize if you've got him, There's nothing to fear. Won't you come while Brother Jim leads us? Brother Jim.